Hello, everyone. I'm Stephen Strang, and welcome to this special edition of the Strang Report for Thursday, February 22nd. Now, we celebrated President's Day a few days ago, but today was actually uh, George Washington's birthday. I always like to point that out because I'm interested in historical trivia. And we're going to talk about another president today, and that's President Donald Trump. And I have the privilege of interviewing a man who knows him very well as Pastor Mark Burns. He is pastor of Harvest Faith Center in Greenville, South Carolina. And he wrote the book called The Trump Card, which I had the privilege of publishing. And now that the election is really heating up, I thought that it was important to find out what's going uh, with the election. I've been seeing uh, Pastor Burns all over social media uh, talking about it. Uh, President Trump even gave him a, call, a shout out uh, in a South Carolina rally a, a little bit ago. And most of you who know me know that I wrote this book called God and Donald Trump. And we're not here to talk about my book, but I know the subject very well. And I wanted to get an update from Pastor Burns. So I'll welcome you and thank you for fitting this in. We had a little bit of trouble, but we fit it in right before the South Carolina primary. So that's your home turf. What do you think is going to happen in that primary? Well, Steve, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to be with you and your wonderful podcast. And again, thank you for what you do for the nation and the kingdom of God. Um, the South Carolina primary is going to be a blowout uh, for President Donald Trump. Um, again, I'll be with him tomorrow um, as we do our last get out to vote rally um, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, where I'll be speaking um, and just giving my heart about the Lord Jesus Christ and why believers need to continuously support Donald Trump as the 47th president of the United States of America. So it's going to be a blowout. The president is leading right now by 60 percent. Um, and it's sad because, you know, Nikki Haley, the former governor of the state, the great state of South Carolina, I think is going to be embarrassed. But uh, she's still in the race and she has a right to be in the race. But I think it's now it's time, especially after tomorrow. And I'll be with the president uh, at the victory party uh, as we celebrate him sweeping uh, South Carolina. Well, let me start by asking how you were connected with Donald Trump. I know a little bit of the story because I've interviewed you, you know, before and published your book and so forth. But I think it's an interesting story because there are a number of Christian leaders who the president knows, of course, and respects, but you seem to have a special relationship uh, with him. So how did that happen? Well, you know, it goes back to 2015, Steve, and you're absolutely right. Charisma and yourself published my book, The Trump Card, Fighting Racism with Trump's Policies and Not Black Lives Matter Propaganda. So all your listeners need to go out to Amazon and buy it. Uh, but it really shows you an intimate view of Donald Trump and how he's been fighting for years before he became president for not just black people in America, but the underprivileged. Um, but how it all started goes back to 2015, and I'll try to be short as possible. But it was in this meeting where um, I was just happy to be in the room. The, the giants were there. Dr. James Doblin was there. Uh, uh, Franklin Graham, uh, Paula White, uh, uh, you know, so many giants. Uh, Jensen Franklin. Uh, were there. And I was just happened to be happy in the room. Uh, didn't think I had anything to add. But a short, long story short, um, it was at a moment where I was sitting at the head of the table, staring directly at Donald Trump. And 
the Lord told me, Mark, I placed you here. The Holy Spirit began to repeat this over and over again. I placed you here. You belong here. And I heard that. And once I heard that, my posture even began to change, Steve. I became this emboldened person. Like, I wasn't just happy to be here, but I was predestined to be there. Then I asked this one question that changed my life. And here am I, eight years later, still in the center as an official surrogate of the 2024 campaign. Uh, and the president, as he just said a couple of days ago, my pastor, <laughs> uh, that... Um, um, I ask this one question. When you become or if you become president, um, what are you going to do to bridge the gap between the black community and the Republican Party? And that excited him. And he was actually said, that's why I'm here. This is why, you know, this is why I brought you leaders here so that we could begin to tackle some of these tough questions. And it was at that moment where I believe he discovered he could trust me. And the Lord told me to show the world that this man is not a racist. I was a black man born and bred in the great state of South Carolina, the state that seceded first from the Union um, during the Civil War to show the man, show the world that that man was not the racist they trying to paint him out to be. And I've proven to be right because he is clearly the blackest president <laughs> that we've ever had because of the policies that he's pushed forward to raise up not just the black community, but all Americans in this great nation. And of course, the black community is supporting him much, much more than they did George W. Bush or some of the other Republicans that have run recently. But the irony, which I actually go into one of my books, this book called God, Trump and the 2020 Election, which I wrote four years ago, there's a whole chapter on Donald Trump, the black community and the Republican Party. And, uh, you know, I, I write about what everyone should know, but a lot of people don't know that in 1900 or thereabouts, there probably was not one Democrat black person in America because the Republican Party was started in 1856 to fight slavery. And mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln, of course, was a great emancipator. But that all kind of shifted in the Depression and then later with uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson and, and the Great Society and the Civil Rights Act and so forth. But now the Democratic Party thinks they have the black vote they, they can count on it, but that is beginning to shift, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, when you got uh, A-lister black Democrats, staunch black Democrats who have been a staunch opponent of Donald Trump from day one by the name of Charlemagne the God. He's not a God. There's but one living God, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's his stage name, Charlemagne the God, who is one of the main co-hosts for the show called The Breakfast Club. For him to come out against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris particularly talking about how the open border is affecting the black community. How I was just on a show recently in, in the heart of Atlanta, um, Dr. Jamal Bryant uh, and his new birth ministry, even out of his own mouth said that not all of, not him and all of his audience are even 100% uh, uh, um, behind Joe Biden because they're seeing that black people, particularly black men are leaving the democratic party in masses. And again, this two-tiered injustice system that they see what's happening to Donald Trump has happened to black men for 400 years. And you made an interesting point, Steve, about 
um, how the Democratic Party essentially has manipulated the black vote and black community uh, to push their agenda. Um, when in reality, uh, the Democrats are, um, are enslaved masters even now to the black community. Republicans are friends to the black community. Democrats are slave masters to the black community. But yet they have manipulated their roles by putting up you know, London Bank Johnson, as you mentioned, I will have these inward folks voting for Democrats for the next hundred years. I'll keep implementing implementing social services, social uh, programs to essentially win the or combat the Southern strategy in the Southern states to to manipulate black people for voting for Democrat. But you remember Martin Luther King battled with London Bank Johnson. Martin Luther King battled with John F. K pushing the civil rights bill. And that was not a top priority uh, for the Democratic Party. Remember, the KKK came from the Democratic Party. The Jim Crow laws that was designed to keep black folks in their place after Reconstruction was designed and birthed by the Democratic Party. And, and so, not, and not one Republican. Not, not one, one Republican. Go and, even you know, further back, the Steve. They, own, uh, they hold against the Republican Party you know, they uh, they say that Nixon didn't call Martin Luther King. I go into this in the book. Didn't call him while he was in prison, and Kennedy did call him. Well, good for Kennedy, but I mean, to have a whole shift based on, and then to overlook the Jim Crow laws, that's what I'm talking about. But Steve, let's talk about this, because you brought up a very interesting point that most people don't even know about President Richard Nixon, and that's exactly what happening in the black community. And that is starting to break because black people are no longer just voting based off of emotion and feeling. They don't no longer want the kumbaya singing, amazing grace, black church going, but not offering any policies. Now that's what happened to Richard Nixon. They want to say Richard Nixon was not a friend of the black community because he didn't call to get uh, Martin Luther King out of jail that time when Coretta Scott reached out to him. Um, and Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, uh, it, it made sure that Nixon, who was the vice president at the time and the Republican nominee for president, not get involved. Now, what they failed to mention is when he became president. We don't talk about what he did when he was actually in power to create policies that changed the life of black community till this day. And he doesn't get the kind of a credit that he deserved because he's overshadowed by Watergate. But there's about a man who is actually one of my mentors, Dr. Bob Brown, who was a senior advisor to uh, President Richard Nixon, who was the first person to uh, begin to have the conversations to get Nelson Mandela out of prison. Go look it up. This is all historical document, documented things. And Dr. Bob Brown from North Carolina um, spearheaded um, getting Nelson Mandela during the heart of apartheid uh, uh, and was the voice between the United States government behind the scenes uh, to the South African government. He marched with Dr. King. He was one of the financiers and one of the planners of the, doc of the civil rights movement. Now, he was hired by Richard Nixon. He spearheaded the creation of the 8A, 8Alpha program that was specifically designed to help create black businesses that they could do business with the government. That's how we got Ebony Magazine. That's how we got Jet Magazine. That's how we have so many different programs that are led by the black community. There was one uh, a black owned used car sales, uh, a 
uh, uh, salesman uh, in America during his presidency. At the end of his presidency, he had over 600 car ownership. There were no staff military officers, black military officers. That, that was rare until Richard Nixon through the office of Dr. Bob Brown. Dr. Uh, Dr. King, yeah, he didn't call Dr. King during that time, but that's my point. That's emotionalism. We need not emotionalism. We need policies. And it's not just because of the color of my skin. That's another thing. We got to stop worshiping the creation and start uh, uh, serving the creator. That is Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Until we get more pastors, black or white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever your race is, if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to open up your mouth as a leader and say, thus saith the Lord, regardless of the color of our skin. And that's why people are looking at Donald Trump a second through a second pair of lenses that they are ignoring. And, and it's easy to support Donald Trump. Just look what he did for the black community. What HBCU right now would have been out of business had it not been for Donald Trump signing an executive order, giving them the money, get the Steve, that President Black Obama took away from the historically black colleges and universities. That's what he did under his watch. But yet he's a black savior for the black community. But yet we still at the lowest uh, economic economic in America. We own less homes. We have we kill more of our own babies. These are things that are true policies that are infecting our community. And that's why Donald Trump is, is, is winning more and more black votes. And people are seeing the two-tiered injustice system that is happening to him, how they are creating laws, Steve, just to try to put this man in jail and hope that he is he does become president. This he is the uh, the, the 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 oh my lord, what is the Russian, my mind is what blank, the Russian uh, uh, opposition oh. leader that just died. Right. And let's talk about this two-tiered system. I, I read something that I thought was very interesting, that there's so many black men in particular who understand how the system is used against them, let's say. I'm saying that in a general sense. Mm -hmm. And what's happened is, I think Donald Trump has 91 charges Nine, against him. Nine. And and they're, they're frivolous when you find out what they are. Mm -hmm. And if he had retired, and gone back down to Mar-a-Lago and gotten out of politics, there wouldn't have been one, not, not one. one. And not one. they know that most of them are going to be thrown out on appeal, but it'll be after the election. They're trying to wound him. They're trying to keep him out. I mean, this is like a banana republic. <laughs> and uh, I, I just came from National Religious Broadcasters, where he is speaking tonight. I'm missing it, but he's speaking, and, and it's going to be a great rally, I'm sure. But I was talking to someone and we were saying, if they can bring down a president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world at one time, and one of the most powerful personalities of any president we've had, I mean, compared to Joe Biden or George W. Bush, you know, or some other presidents we've had, I mean, he is a dynamic. If they can bring him down, Pastor, yeah. they can bring any of us down if we get on the wrong side of the powers that be in Washington, D.C., or wherever they are, which President Trump called the swamp. Yeah. He's trying to drain the swamp, and it's like the swamp is doing everything they can. It's, it's more than just the Democratic Party. I mean, a lot of the Republicans want to get rid of Donald Trump. What do that you is think true. is going to happen with this election? 
Well, I believe that it's, it's truly the fight for the heart of this nation. I believe that uh, um, the American voice is proven right now that they're not going to allow what happened in 2020 to happen in 2024. That's why the George Soros and their dog whistle message messages about sending out. And this is why every believer that's going to watch this podcast uh, to pray for Donald Trump, to pray for him, to cover him, pray for his health, pray for his safety. When you see George Soros son, Andrew Soros, who is now the heir and control of the Soros money is tweeting out messages that have has $47 bills and a bullet hole uh, saying something has to be done, right? Th th this is real messaging. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm only telling you that what it looked like to the majority of people who read that tweet. That's why it made so much noise. They are going to do whatever it takes to try to stop Donald J. Trump from being the next president. Why? Because he's stripping away the power of the wealthy and the rich and the cabals that control our country. And he's literally giving it back to the will of the people, how the Constitution was designed. For it's not a living, breathing document. It should be interpreted as it was written. And Donald Trump knows how to do this because he was once was, as he said, one of those uh, oligarchs who controlled of the systems of our nation. And so he knows how it's done and he's trying to break it up. And that's why he's still the number one contender for the uh, uh, Republican nominee. He's all but in name the Republican nominee for president of the United States of America. And by almost every poll, even those from the liberal evil uh, legacy media has Donald Trump beating Joe Biden in a head to head race. That's why they keep trying to entice a Michelle Obama to jump in the race. And now they, the governor of, of California, they're trying to figure out, because uh, uh, Democrats don't even want Joe Biden to be the nominee, but he's the sitting president. Boy, there's so much I would like to talk about. We, we need to do another podcast, but as we wrap <laughs> this one up, I want to ask you what you say to Christian people. I want to know, because I want to use some of what you have to say, because I've been in conversations, even this week, at National Religious Broadcasters, with people who said, Donald Trump has my vote. I've, you know, I'm pro-life and all this kind of stuff. But boy, I wish he wouldn't tweet or I wish he wouldn't be so mean. And I mean, do we hold that, you know, Joe Biden has said some pretty mean things when you think about it, if he can even complete a complete thought. But why do you say to people like that? Because I, I've seen you on interviews saying that you know that he's accepted Christ. Mm -hmm. But it's like Dr. Dobson said, who you mentioned a minute ago, he said, if anything, he's a baby Christian. And we don't have time to do a deep dive, but I do want to know how you would answer people who are so critical of Donald Trump's, you know, talk about emotionalism. Mm -hmm. You're, it's In my opinion, it's emotional to be upset because he uses a few words you know, in, in today's society, they're pretty mild, but they're the kind of thing that my mother would have washed my mouth out with soap when I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, yes, we wish he would maybe talk a little bit more like Christians do. Yes. But how would you answer people who are so critical of some of those things that are part of his personality? Well, I'll tell you exactly what I told the president, because to me, it's pretty easy. I have a great memory and I'm a student of the word of God. And so for all these believers that come to you and say, I love him, I vote for him, but I wish he would not say certain things that rubs people the wrong way. Where my mind goes to Peter, my mind goes to the most 
powerful, the leader of the apostles, Peter, the same person that Jesus once called Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. But also the same person that took a sword and cut the ear off of the high priest's servant in anger. The same person that um, denied Jesus three times, his lying tongue, denied the Messiah, who the same person Jesus said upon this rock, I shall build my church. When he asked them, who do you say, Peter, that I am? And Peter finally boldly said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not tell you this or reveal this to you, but it was my father in heaven to do it. That same person was the one that was so powerful when he walked in the streets, the shadow of Peter when it laid upon the sick. The Bible said they were healed. And so God uses us imperfect people. Mark Burns, like what, what, what Paul said, Paul said, I am the chief amongst sinners. Who are we, Steve? To say, we, yes, we have a title. Yes, we have, uh, um, we have a following. Yes, we get, we get to preach about Jesus. But what, what makes our sin that we do, whether it be a, a, a commission, a, a, a omission, whether we know we're doing them or we don't know we're doing them, whether it's a thought, it's a, 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 a ver- verbal sin or just a, an actual sin, a physical sin, what makes our sin is that we do daily different from the sins that Donald Trump says, whether he's a tweet or not. What we should be celebrating is this. Number one, he is not the pastor of the United States of America. That is not his assignment. He has a different assignment. And there are certain rules and things that are, that, that are designed for his assignment. Right. And I'm happy. So you should be happy, too, that he's not our pastor. Right. <laughs> but he, He's our president and he has an assignment. And yes, I can say this because I know him personally, intimately, personally, that most people, when they talk to Donald or they see Donald Trump, it's usually through the lenses of a small snippet of him being attacked by somebody else. But if you know the man where there's no cameras, when you know him, when you see him interact with his children, when you see him interact with his family, the humility, the joy, the respect that they give him, not because he's so wealthy, because every one of his children will born rich, but they honor their daddy. Think about that. What kind of a man that loves his children, that hears from the voice of God and has raised their children um, to be, to honor, um, the, honor people and serve people. That's the true marksmanship and the character of, he, of who he is. The Bible I, says that, but that, that, that God knew us before he formed us in the, in the womb of the mother, but he, the son set free is free indeed. And that's Donald Trump. So well said, and I agree with you, and I wish we could take time. I do want to encourage my viewers to share this podcast with others, maybe even people that have questions about the president. And I encourage you to go on Amazon and get the Trump card by Pastor Mark Burns. And I'll just call attention to my book. I actually wrote three books on Trump. Uh, you can get them on stevestrangbooks.com as well as Amazon and other places. And uh, if you want ha- read any of them, God and Donald Trump, which tells the story about how Christian prophets as far back as 2007 said that God was going to raise up Donald Trump to be president. And that's a subject for another time. But I thank uh, Pastor Mark Burns for fitting in this podcast. I thank you for watching. 
And tune in again every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time uh, for an edition of The Strang Report. God bless you. Do you ever feel discouraged? Do you need hope? The world is so upside down that even if you believe there is power in the Holy Spirit, sometimes you need to be reminded that greater is he that is within us than he is in the world. My new book, Spirit-Led Living in an Upside-Down World, was written to give you hope, to remind you of things you know, to explain spiritual truths that you didn't understand or maybe have forgotten. I draw on my decades of covering the worldwide move of the Holy Spirit to give you examples and stories of great men and women of God, from Jack Hayford to Catherine Kuhlman, and many others explaining spiritual gifts and telling stories of victory in the face of trials and temptations. I wrote this book for you, and I want you to read it. It's easy to read, with lots of practical stories to help you. It is not a theological treatise on the Holy Spirit. In a way, it's a self-help book looking at the spiritual side of life. So if you long for more of God and to experience the power of the Holy Spirit and the power to rebuke the spiritual attacks in your life and boldness to stand for God when the cancel culture wants you to sit down and shut up, then my book, Spirit-Led Living in an Upside-Down World, is for you. You can find the book wherever Christian books are sold, including Amazon.com or MyCharismaShop.com. Remember, the Holy Spirit is here to help us now and for all the days ahead, no matter how upside down the world gets. Enjoy the book, and God bless you.